0: Hello and welcome to Resident Advisors Exchange, a series of conversations with the artists, labels, and promoters who are shaping the electronic music landscape. I'm Jordan Rothline, and I'm the tech editor at Resident Advisor. Science fiction, alien invasion, space travel, the distant future, Jeff Mills has tackled lots of heady topics over the years, and with enough gusto and artistry to prove that techno is more than just club music. Mills has been one of the genre's true originals since its early days in Detroit, where his otherworldly flair behind the decks inspired countless DJs to raise their game. Some 20 years later, Mills is still at Techno's vanguard, technically, stylistically, and thematically. It's hard to think of an artist who better embodies the futuristic, experimental bent of this music, and a new film about Mills, Man From Tomorrow, should only add to his reputation a meditation on the ideas that have long inspired him, the film puts viewers deep inside Mills' headspace. The day after the film's Berlin premiere, Will Lynch sat down with Mills to unpack its themes and touched on the evolution of DJing, techno, and a singular worldview in the process.
1: So I guess to start, um, Man From Tomorrow, in your own words, how would you explain kind of what that film is about? What it is? Well, I I would describe it as a psychological observation of an electronic music producer. Yeah, you said last night that it kind of was a reflection of, I think you said, like the dreamscape kind of what's going through your head when you Uh, make
2: music. It it can be looked at as, as if the shape in which we were trying to kind of, to create these sequences where there's really no warning or any indication when the scenes were going to change, because there's no story. Um, That these scenes would just happen, more of an occurrence, more of an experience, and very much left open and,
1: and into interpretation. And I guess, in a way, it's sort of an abstract glimpse at your creative process on some level. Would you say that's true? Uh,
2: not as 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 abstract uh, as one might think. I mean, I, I in the conversations with Jacqueline, there was quite quite a lot of attention to the the subject of being isolated, being alone, being detached in your surrounding, and finding ways to in order to be able to adapt to that uh, and eventually, you know, end up embracing it. And we,
1: we really wanted to show that in the, the passages of the film. When you say isolation, is that isolation on a personal level or sort of more of a broad society level? Um, well, I, I think both. I mean, one and one, you know, kind of leads
2: to the other. I think that um, when, when you're a DJ, especially speaking from from, from a DJ standpoint, the experience doesn't end when the last record is over and you you know you leave the it it it, the 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 experience of of that lingers on and in some cases you you know you really want it to linger on until you can get back to your studio to kind of you know translate what you just you just been through um both are pretty much related the, the two aspects of detachment or isolation you know your conversation is being replaced by by music you're speaking to the people but you know, it's not. It's not with your voice. It's not. You know, you, you're you're finding uh, the productions of other peoples to say what you're trying to say as a as a person as a DJ. So at this time, I want you to raise your your hands up in the air. At other times, I want you to you know dance in a certain way. And so, I guess being being a DJ, being a producer is is manipulating
1: these extensions of your personality to uh, in order to communicate. And so there's. Like an element of isolation and, and being the only person in the room who is communicating in this way, uh yes, because you have the control over the system
2: of the room, so you know your voice, whatever you do, is the most prominent so but my point is is that you know you're not really communicating with the people one on one you're not com- communicating with the crowd you you, you have this thing, the sound system or the music between you, which doesn't really. You know, give you the opportunity to be closer to the people, so it, it reinforces
1: this distance that you have from from your audience. There are some themes in the movie that um, I kind of wanted to touch on. Some of them are sort of you know familiar Jeff Mills themes. Um, some a little less so, at least as far as I know. Uh, one of the quotes in the film said, "I may not have gotten this exactly right, but um, success is measured not by what one has, but..." What one knows or what one believes to be true.
2: Mm. Um, ba- basically, what I'm saying is that the truth may become harder to be able to distinguish, to the point that it may not be as important as we, you know, we're told or we're taught. Telling the truth, finding out the truth, that perhaps maybe in the future, only what you believe to be true may be good enough. That you may not put truth on a, a good and bad scale. That it's just what you feel that you that would that actually accommodate your beliefs may be good enough. Especially when people can't really tell whether things are true or not. For instance, a a DJ is one that that uses a computer that mixes the music together, or one that uses his hands. Which is more, you know, the truth. I don't think the people really care, from what I can see from my standpoint, the DJs that I play with. It doesn't seem to be a concern from the audience, as long as they know that the music is just being played and it's what they want to hear is good enough. So there is where, you know, for a lot of us that have been doing this for a long time, it was really a, a shock to understand that there won't be a reaction from the audience about how DJs are actually programming and presenting the music. And that is a small indication of, I think, how the desire to have things that are more pure and the things that, that are more genuine may be,
1: may be disappearing. Another thing that came up in the film that I wanted to touch on was um, this theme. It's a little bit more classic for you is the, the importance of space travel. I guess in, in your mind, what makes space travel important at this moment?
2: Well, I think that, um, I mean, for humans, I mean, we have for centuries, we've always searched for answers of who we are, where we may be from, so that we can have some type of idea of where we may be going. And I think that, or I feel that these answers may not be here on this planet, that we have more chances, that there's more answers to be found out in space. And as we become more advanced and technology, will make it possible to be able to exist comfortably out in space, We may venture further and further out in search of these answers, in search of places to migrate to, um, in search of places to find things that we can use here on earth, or you know, just to survive and evolve. so so space will become a very important part of our lives. That's one side. Then it could be that the planet becomes too difficult to remain here on the surface of it. So either underground, maybe floating in Earth's inner atmosphere, coming to Earth, getting the things that we need, and going back to a, a safer location. Perhaps maybe the surface, the lunar surface of the Moon, perhaps Mars, maybe, or just you know just simply floating in space. Floating colonies in space may be safer. And I, and I think that, you know, if you, if you look at what's happening in the past decade with weather and how extreme things are getting, one might imagine that in 50 years or 100 years from now, what that could be like. So that's the second thing why I think space might be. Uh, and then there's other things, too. I mean, you know, war could always, you know, make life unpleasant again. It could be an economical situation where you may find very rich people not finding earth pleasant enough and would like to live and exist in other places. But for sure, I see it as our future. That's,
1: that's for sure. Uh, and knowing more about it will be essential. Does techno play a role in that um, turn of events? Uh, yes, because techno will
2: change. What we know of the genre right now we're still very much in the early stages, I think, I, I believe. Um, it's different from other genres of music because it's undefined as to what it is. And every time someone comes up with a definition, someone counters that and debates that, and there's no resolution as to what it is. It's always an impasse. That, to me, tells me that it has the ability to, in order to be able to accommodate itself for any, just about any type of situation. At this point, it can accommodate political statements if we wanted it to be. It could explore more in space science and science and education and educating people if we wanted it to do that. It could be more based on escapism, uh, allowing us to be able to transcend if we wanted it to be that way. Or it can stay just as dance music and in the clubs and in nightlife if that's what we really wanted it to be. It's this non-definition is what I I think will. will allow it to be able to evolve for whatever we need it to have. So from that should give it longevity, I think. So it will change. It will change as we will change. And what we think we need in order to be able to escape from our reality. Uh, and also te- technology assisting that, that change as well. So if there's money to be made, you have manufacturers willing to make it in order to, for people to be able to, you know, to do that. So I think that the uh, I'm not sure if the term will survive, but definitely the usage of it will will change to something else.
1: And I guess to some extent, techno as an art form is is kind of inspired by a lot of what we're talking about, um, the future itself and technology, sometimes outer space. And something I heard last night, I actually can't remember if it was the Q&A or in the film itself, but you had this line that um, when you're uh, making music, you're, you're trying to translate something astonishing into musical form. I kind of took that to mean that you're channeling, you know, this, this sort of wonderment that you have over space, technology, the future, et cetera, into kind of um, your art is, is that right? Well, I'm,
2: I'm, I'm trying. I mean, it's a, it's, um, I've, I've moved into territory where, where I'm not very familiar. I mean, I'm not a scientist. I I don't know the, the exact uh, points of these, of these subjects, but I'm, I'm just, instead of that, I'm using my imagination to try to, create certain situations and then present them in the form of music or in story form to make people think about if that if they were in that situation you know, how, you know how would they deal with that but it's not something that comes very easy you know and i i'm convinced that i need to do it consistently to be able to emphasize my point that i think it's important if i were to do an album a year you know I, I think it wouldn't it, it wouldn't be as 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 noticeable as an as an impactful as it has been so consistently when one album is done consistently moving on to the next chapter the next story the time in between is, is quite important actually that's almost as important as the story itself so yeah it's not a not an easy thing creating a story that might that the to, to give to someone that they might find interesting and then using music to be able to translate it and to try to have some notion as to what things may
1: be in the future is is kind of tough. This whole phenomenon of taking inspiration from themes like this is, uh, has quite a history, not just in techno, but going further back with parliament and mythology around parliament. And um, last night you mentioned Sun Ra it's sort of a, a common thread in, in um, a certain part of African-American music specifically. That's this theme of outer space and often even um, people leaving earth. And also in a way, the electrifying mojo, the radio show where you got so as radio DJ started with the sound of a spaceship landing, didn't it? Uh, that's right. Yeah, it's in it's in the opening sequence of his shows. Yeah. I mean, how do you kind of explain that? Um, that ongoing theme in in music or where do you think that comes from?
2: Well, I think it's, I think, um, I mean, there's a couple of things, but I I, I think more than anything, it's connected to the culture of Africans that, you know, that we're all aware of to, um, well, not, not a common belief, but it's, it's a very strong belief that's lasted through, you know, centuries that we're not, that we're not from here, that we're from the planet Sirius in the constellation of, of Orion. And if you are Afro-American and you're in a country where your relatives were not able to to practice you know, the culture where, where they were from because they were, they were slaves brought over from Africa, it was prohibited to do that. You, um, you adapt in other ways. You recreate your universe. You recreate uh, your belief system and, and the world around you. And so I think that it was done a long time ago out of necessity to stay sane in an insane world at that time. So I think that uh, it, it has a long history of considering the stars, considering other places other than this planet and the way things are here. So Parliament, Sun Ra, you know, Juan Atkins, Lee Scratch Perry, you know, it's not, uh, it's not something, actually, it's. If you think about it, maybe it's more normal to pay attention to the stars than actually to not do that. It's more natural to wonder what's up there and how you're connected to it than to completely ignore it and you know assume that it has nothing to do with you, that we're just in space isolated alone and not connected to anything around us it doesn't make any sense. So that, that, that I see being, being the connection.
1: And I know you grew up, you know, your own personal fascination with all this stuff goes back a really long way. Have you ever had kind of like a firsthand personal experience that that really fueled this kind of belief?
2: No, no, I never, I never woke up in the middle of the night, you know, floating in the air or anything like that. No, I mean, but I think it's accumulation of what was available for entertainment when I was, when I was a kid. I mean, we were, I'm not sure because, you know, you just, um, the way people communicated back in the 60s and the, and the early 70s was, was very different from now. But at least in Detroit at that time, I think we had an extraordinary amount of resources about science fiction and fantasy. We had a lot of TV shows, a lot of movie programs. I mean, that, that was a time when one movie was presented a week. It was the movie of the week on one channel at a certain time so we so this is before cable so every everyone would would all go in and watch this movie of the week on thursday i think it was thursday at at eight o'clock and that was that was that was your home that was as close as you're going to get to a home cinema and it was the same for children so sunday afternoon we had these tv shows that would play fantasy from frankenstein to to uh war of the worlds to it was that our neighborhoods were structured that on certain corners, you would have these shops that would sell music, comics, candy, of course, you know, and all types of junk food. And this is where most young people went after school, before school, at lunchtime, on the weekends. And this is, this is where you, you would go to get all your goods. And that's where you really bought all your comics. And that's where you bought all your 45 single records. And it was pretty much like that throughout all the neighborhoods in the city. So it's not so surprising if Derek May grew up or Blake Baxter or Eddie folks grew up on another side of the city, they were getting the same same distribution as we were on the west side. So that's that could probably explain the reason why we're all around the same age and same similarities. But it it was everywhere. and uh, and then and then, of course, you know, NASA was active at that time. And um, there had been a few really successful movies like Two Thousand One and all these all these things. so it was it was it was an industry that that uh, was very much embedded into the American psyche. and uh, and I think it was something that was manifesting over over time. So when I had the opportunity to be able to make music about something, you know ideas about and concepts uh, about space travel those type of things were already
1: in, kind of ingrained. do you think um, all that sci-fi stuff maybe had uh, an element of escapism that was particularly appealing to people in, you know, in the situation of like growing up in Detroit at that time?
2: I think it was it was pretty much all, all over the country it was uh, i mean I, I did I found a an encyclopedia of science fiction writers from pulp fiction all the way to comics. And in it were where the people were from, and if you, if you look at that, you see that it was it was uh, very much in the Midwest, um, a few on the West Coast, of course, in, you know, in San Francisco, in Nor- Northern California, um, many many in New Jersey, many in New York, some in Boston, and then a few spread out in other places. But uh, some some were women that were disguising themselves as men. Uh, some people were black, disguising themselves as as Jewish people or white people, so that they can get their stories published. It was a uh, America has a very interesting background for fantasy science fiction writing, and so th- these weren't their primary jobs. They were accountants, they were waitresses, they were people from all sectors of, of the you know in the workforce, and they had the opportunity to write these stories because this is this is what they felt. They were contributing to, in terms of the future, I, I suppose. Which has been this has been going on for quite some time. I mean, if you go back and look at the history of science fiction writing, it's been it's been a hundred years, you know, uh, of constant uh, accumulation of, of writings about and projections about about the future and space and humans' relationship to it. So, by the seventies, uh, the sixties, and the seventies, it had really been manifesting. In Americans, most of these magazines and these periodicals were read while people were catching the train or in transit coming into the cities. So, big hubs like Chicago had large amount of readers. Uh, Detroit also uh, was was a big hub for trains and and you know the type of rail travel and things like that. So, th- so those places had the, had the most active readers. Uh, which could explain why comics are are so popular in Chicago right now, you know, because it's been handed down for generations. Huge conventions, all types of things. There's a very strong, strong connection between this, this genre and, and American societies.
1: Um, for you, was, was music always connected um, to science fiction or, you know, early on maybe it was... A- uh, uh, no, but there
2: was a certain amount of escapism that I realized at a very early age because... In Detroit, in the early to mid-70s, especially in Detroit, there were lots of places that you could go to listen to music and to party to music, And, and in a sense, places to go to kind of escape in a social atmosphere. And that has a very long history for Detroit and Chicago. These are the two cities, the two last cities before the Mississippi, before settlers went into the West to search for gold and then find gold and then come back, these are the first two cities that they came back to. So these were like outposts. Uh, these were like these are like uh, cities where people spent their money, their their findings, their their riches. So they both had long entertainment, saloon, bar type of past and, and entertainment. So always a large amount of musicians were coming and going out of these two cities. Um, that's that, that was always the case for for that. So you know the Italian mob and all those things, the Jewish mob and all those things. It's, it's not. It's all connected to these two cities in the long history. Prohibition, you know, uh, distilleries in Canada to Detroit, you know, and all that in between, Indiana, Ohio
1: it's all connected to the fact that these two cities were very much uh, large entertainment cities. When you were first getting started as a DJ, I heard some of you described yourself as a street DJ. Um, So you weren't re- you know, you weren't playing music Um, or correct me if I'm wrong. You weren't playing music that was so directly channeling, you know, the kind of sci-fi um, fantasy theme. Right? Uh, right.
2: No, no street street. Uh, the, I mean, the definition of, of it back then a street DJ was one that, that basically uh, worked out of their car. I mean, they, they would be booked for a party, and everything—the sound system, records—everything would be brought into the basement or into the space. You weren't hired by a club; that was what a street street DJ was at that time. And no, no, I mean, I mean, the idea of of, of science fiction—you know—that you know, there was no connection. It, it was a time when when the world was just really being introduced to the art form of DJing as well. So we had to go through that whole process. Uh, what is a mixer? What what is a turntable? You know what is a what? How do you what is this technique of scratching and you know uh, using records in that way? Th- this was really the era of that, and so it was really far too soon to get to the point where you realize that you can manipulate the music to the point that you can begin to describe things. Uh, th- you know those are the very early early days of it.
1: So what was a turning point or maybe like a, a record you heard or, or an experience you had where it kind of clicked for you that, that DJing could be this kind of art form where, as you said, you're, you're kind of describing things?
2: For me, um, because I, I did radio in Detroit for such a long time, and I had a quite regular show, it was six, six days a week. Even if you had the latest records on Monday, you can't play them Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. You know, you, you had to come up with ideas Different ways to play the music so that you could show the different variations of how the music could be programmed. So, I had to come up with concepts, different concepts, in order to be able to apply the music. And so, it it really started in the 80s using music in various ways to compete with Mojo that was on the opposite station. And then that led to producing music. But it wasn't until, like, I think 1992 uh with underground resistance where we made the rings of Saturn x102 discovers the rings of Saturn that uh we, we attempted to to really create an album based on space science using our imagination to translate using the equipment that we have to things that supposedly existed then i mean we I went to the library and got as many books as I could check out noted all the important points that I thought we should make music about, and then we discussed it, and then looked at the equipment and figured out ways of how we can translate rings of dust and rings of ice and debris and certain magnitudes and, and the rate and the speed. The rings of Saturn are the fastest in, in, the, in the solar system. So we had to kind of figure all that out with the little information that, that we had And so that was really the first time that I really had a chance to really sit down and map out to really get into detail about that. And then from there, then I, I, you know, the the interest grew more and more until I got to the point where I could write a story and then extract from the story certain points and then compose music about it and then piece it all together again. And that's that's kind of where I am now.
1: Is it possible to describe in any way how you get from um, you read something in a book you got from a library and then how that information actually makes it into musical form. like you guys all talking about it and like you know, how, how do you riff on something about science and you know into a song? Well you have to have a, uh, a certain type of scale in, in
2: your mind to kind of feel what is representative of certain things for instance you have two people that are in a relationship they're they're in love and so to try to find those notes and those chords that would give the listener the feeling as if it's a very sympathetic type of way of doing that and then that love then turns to hate and finding the the right keys and chords to be able to make the to make that transition into something more negative. And you have to find all this within within your keyboard or the sounds, the voices that you use. The more that you work at that, the better you get at at locating those sounds or finding those chords and notes. In terms of discussion, well, things have to be discussed and then understood and then, then you turn to the equipment. So for instance, in terms of say like the, the rings of Saturn, There were multiple rings and then the space in between the rings that had to be considered. In that case, we calculated the width of the rings and the width and the the contents. And from that, we would figure how clustered the rings would be if it were a lot of debris, a lot of dust, if it were a heavier mass, more dense type of rings, that we would then turn to the Equipment and say, well, we need to have eight voices happening at the same time, and there needs to be little space in between that because of the density of that ring. And these sounds need to intertwine with one another to the point that is indistinguishable, creating more of a dense feeling. And yeah, I mean, you know, you just have to try to talk these things out and uh,
1: rationalize it, basically. I guess in a way, I was just thinking. Um, you said earlier about how when you're DJing, you're kind of talking to the crowd, but in you know this language of music. Given what you just said about the Rings of Saturn, would you say it's a stretch to kind of say that in a way you're kind of a science fiction writer, but instead of you know prose, it's music?
2: Yeah, that, that's a, that's a stretch. No, I wouldn't, <laughs> I wouldn't. I wouldn't say that. But I mean, I, I my my job as a DJ and producer sometimes is to do whatever it takes to, in order to be able to create a certain situation to put the people in. So as a DJ, I'm giving the responsibility of having this enormous sound system sur- surrounding the people and given this atmosphere to do something with it. To me, it's not it's not so important how it's created as long as it is created and, and the people can fill it. Um, so... I never, I, I still don't put much emphasis on technology unless it can really create something really unique. But using certain pieces of equipment, using computer versus this or CD versus that are very small, minute type of points that I think that are less important and than actually what it really takes to create an atmosphere that would make someone remember it for the rest of their life is what I'm more concerned about. And I think that that's probably the one thing that has retained in the culture of DJing almost from from the very beginning, that hasn't been changed because of technology. This idea of playing something to allow the people to be able to uh, to expand, to be able to move beyond their normal consciousness uh, conscious state. Again, that's that's one thing that I think is most important above everything else, above where the DJ from, above. The style of music above the different genres of music. It's the idea of creating a situation so that the person's mind can drift,
1: can detach from this reality and move on to something else. Um, you said before that you feel strongly that techno could be something much more than something that people dance to on the weekends. Do you feel kind of like it's your personal um, goal or personal mission to some extent to help elevate techno? Well, I know that um, the more people that are with this idea, in this
2: vision, and and working towards that, will make it more more possible that in the future this music will be considered for any and everything. I don't know if it's a. I mean, is is you know, it's that's something that I can't say. You know, I I don't know what each individual person that hears the music how how they what they get from it. But I know that if it we we have a better chance if these things exist, if. Projects are made for this. Albums are made in that way. Parties are rethought. The whole concept of people getting together are uh, re-approached uh, with the idea that to create an experience is really giving the people eventually what they, what they really want, want to have. Uh, and there's many different ways to do that. It's not just playing one record after the other. You can do that in many different ways. So I've always been interest, interested in visual things and and lighting also because I know how important that is in creating the, the situation. And, and and other things, I mean, dealing with the other senses of, of how people feel things. So there's been cases where we used large fans to give the sense that the people are being pushed towards the image. I think that when I'm in a small club and the air conditioner isn't working, and it becomes a sweatbox. That's very. That can be very much related. It can be used with the music,
1: actually, to create a certain type of atmosphere. Your own projects, like um, Man from Tomorrow, and um, you know, kind of the other things you've done over the years, it, are, are these sort of like attempts at um, taking techno out of its, you know, club box. I guess.
2: Well, not 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 taking it out of or not replacing one with the other, but simply just. Ex- expanding i mean i'm using electronic music you know to to help translate what people are seeing on, on a screen you know it was the same with metropolis it was i wasn't interested in making a film i was interested in using electronic music to support a film so my interest was was the usage of, of techno music and it's been the case with performing with orchestra my intention is not to become a classical musician my intention is to mix techno with classical to create something unique that perhaps maybe we can consider uh, more on the techno side. So my intention has always been consistent. It's maybe kind of easier to think that I'm leaving one to go to the other because the other seems to be so much attractive and I'm, maybe I'm bored with techno, but that's not the case at all. I'm, I'm I'm more actually the truth is is that I'm more excited that I have the opportunity to be able to expand it and reach people. Than than we normally would if I just made just straight up dance music, so that's that that's really
1: you know a large part of it. Do you think this something that you've mentioned a few times is this phenomenon of how uh, techno has this ability to, to sort of transport a person, you know, sort of mentally create um, a new interesting space for them to occupy? Right. Do you think that's sort of like a fundamental sort of function of techno as an art form?
2: Uh, not yet.
1: I think we're headed, we have
2: a possibility to, to head in that direction where the music could be more instrument, even more instrumental and have more control over, over your experience. And that, that, that depends on how much the person is, is willing to give to let that happen. And then technology, what, what technology will allow to make it possible. You know, I can see in some ways we have the opportunity to head in that direction, almost like, well, it's like taking taking drugs. You know, if you want to drop out, you know, you, you take a pill and within minutes you're out. Music, t- especially techno music, could 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 have that effect uh, if we wanted it to have that. But overall, I think it will it will depends on, on whether the people think that they would want to have it from music. From this type of music, but I see the opportunity to to do that.
1: You don't think that already happens to some extent? Like if if you're DJing in you know the right kind of club and the gigs going well.
2: No, no, I mean I mean more more profound experience. In other words, when you hear something, you you can no longer recognize you know the same place. That's something completely you're not in the same place to that point. You're somewhere else. You're convinced, your mind is convinced that you're somewhere else. That's, that's what we want, really, I think. And I also mentioned uh, the other night that we are becoming further and further away from each other. And this has been happening for, for quite some time. We're becoming more isolated, which is, which is interesting because you know it's, easy, it's easier to capture someone's attention, capture someone's mind if it's not a group of people, but it's one, one person. So that's what I mean by the we have an opportunity to do it because, because we're moving apart. We're living in our own world. We're believing what we want to believe. And if what we're interested in is escaping, you know, we're going to find more profound ways to make that happen. And if the technology is there, we're,
1: we're going to use it. Um, a bunch of things you said kind of point to this idea that techno as we know it today is kind of this... In- in a state of infancy, or, or, or what we see now, only represents a fraction of, of its potential. I mean, in your mind, what would techno at you know full potential be like? What you know, what, what would that having, having having that ability to be able to
2: convince someone that they are no longer where they thought they were when it reaches that point, when and it may be a combination of music and and something that affects the other senses. But I think sound would be important and inclusive in that in that combination of technology or whatever it is. When it when it reaches that point, I think it's it's reaches for potential. And I think that when it can make you understand something and make you believe it, that's when we're you know, we're rolling along, I think. I, I think I think you know what we're doing now is you know, it's an extension of something that started, you know, in you know, 1920s or something. You know, it's it's um, you know, we're still playing, we're still playing playing music, and this sound is being projected out of speakers. And we still have no idea, even now, we still have absolutely no idea how the audience is really feeling. We don't have any way of knowing that. It may look like they're having a great time, but there's no way to know that unless you ask each individual person and then they may be lying when they, when they say that. So I think we're still in, that, in, in this emphasis of the way that the music is being presented and the way it's being received when the audience can feel the same thing I'm feeling when I'm mixing the music or to experience what I'm experiencing before the music comes out of the speakers that's when we're making progress and we're allowing the people to be able to understand much more of the process, not just the, the after effect, the post, you know, event, which is what dance music is right now. It's the last part of the, of the process. It's not, I need to find a record that has very little vocals in it because I need to mix it with this one. The audience doesn't understand that they they don't get to know this. Um, it's 12 o'clock, so I need, to, I need to slow the music down because I wanna bring it back up in 45 minutes. They have no idea and then how to do this. So I'm taking this record and this record and then understanding the process of how you're making those two mix together in order to make that happen. These are things that only the, the person, the, the musician, the DJ knows. And it's the majority of the process of the art form of DJing. And so one might understand why so many people can be kind of up in arms and kind of against the idea of allowing a computer to do it because there's so much more to the thought process. Um, It's not just the, it's just not the end result. There's a whole timing that's involved of locating the music, second thinking things, All, all those things are kind of wiped away in this automated type of way of programming. The idea of wearing headphones, as opposed to using a computer and not needing headphones because the computer is mixing it yourself, all those things have an effect of how the music is 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 being programmed. I mean, to kind of you know, divert off into the art form of DJing, when I realized that that is the way that a lot of DJs are actually playing music now, I kind of, realize that the culture that the art form of it is probably is gone is dead because they don't see that there's any value they could not understand that there was a value in even though it was not as easy to do it but but there's a value once a DJ loses his timing that, that that's everything you you lose timing in deciding what to play when to play it once you kind of take that you take that away or you lessen that. You know those things are, are quite crucial to your style, which could possibly explain why a lot of DJs all sound alike because the process is basically the same. So that maybe that's another conversation, another another story. But to sum it up, a large part of the process is not what the people hear uh, on the at in, out of the loudspeakers. You know, there's much much more you know, to that to that. That that's there, and I think in time, the people technology could make it possible that the audience could understand that
1: in real time, if that's what we wanted. You sort of said just then that in a way, uh, DJing as an art form is dead or is is in trouble because of this, you know, uh, loss of technique. But um, for you, it seems DJing remains an extraordinary way for you to do what you want to do with with music and art. I and mean, you know, you, um, as time goes on, do you think DJing will always be kind of your your best tool to to do what you want to do?
2: Well it's a it's a difficult question to answer because DJing won't always stay this way. It, it'll change um, based on the technology and and then and, and then the circumstances. Um, so 10, 20 years from now it can be completely different that maybe I'm just pressing buttons or maybe not even where I'm thinking about the button and the button activates itself. Or, um, Well, I mean, I think that society will always need these people that will have a certain insight to saying things, to doing things that will enlighten people and allow them to be able to think of other things. So I think as the art form evolves, it will probably still have that, that uh, that task, but I think that uh, the way that we're doing things now won't survive. I think that the computer gave us you know, something great, but it also took, in terms of DJing, or we well, didn't take, but people are, are understanding less about the more natural things that are in the process of programming music for people. You know, Sometimes allowing mistakes to happen are okay not allowing, but but making a mistake is okay because you're letting the audience know that it's not it's not a perfect you know you're not playing for machines you know it's a machine so perfection comes in many different ways so I think we're still very much in a stage when I say early stage of of electronic music we're still very much excited by what's new what's technology and we and I think we haven't reached a point where we've kind of rested at okay so this is enough this is what we need to be able to create now let's get into the creative part and really begin to use these things differently to go beyond what we've been doing for the past 30, 30 years we haven't reached that point yet because of this constant filtering of uh, this this filtration of new new technology but at some point, I think we're going to we're going to slow down, and uh, I think we will say we okay. So we've had a, we have enough. So let's let's really now begin to get into the art form of making music. Yeah, I think I think it'll come. Maybe we're a ways off, but eventually it'll it'll come. I think.